Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey, bro. It's Russo'sBrand.com. Get the real shoot for the most controversial personality in pro wrestling, Vince Russo. Stevie Richards Fitness. Hey, don't you think it's time for a band new you? Head over to StevieRichardsFitness.com and join the SRF resistance today. ProWrestlingTees.com. Get the coolest merchandise from your favorite independent pro wrestling talent worldwide. Head over to ProWrestlingTees.com and support indie wrestling today. The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. This is your United States of America. Wednesday, April 15th, 2020, and you are tuned into the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by the Roar Network. Get the... You standing here, and you don't even go here. Yo, you should have killed me when you had the opportunity. It was the one thing I wasn't going to do for myself, and now I've got a couple under my back. What can you do to me? Nothing was planned, but it came together beautifully, and now it's too late for a warning. Should have listened to Boeing 808. You should have bumped orange and late night tape. We found what we need regardless of if we wanted. I click with them squares in the corner, and we maximize the moment. Captains of our own ship, I won't capsize. Temple of ideas, I stand in my capsize. Makes me unbecoming more and more what I rap like. The king, the geek, a self-aware, self-righteous black guy. Since not knows I had a thing for dancing on high coals or bare feet. Cool them off on the cobblestone. Nothing to lose but a life that was monotone. Like sweet papa back in the day, I thought I walk alone. Trails I blaze, trails I blaze. Hiding came a ways away from gator bait. You see, I'm where I'm now. Crocking my moccasins, I rock them till I wear them out. Cover my trail because my privacy is paramount. Trails I blaze, trails I blaze. Hiding came a ways away from gator bait. You see, I'm where I'm now. It is a glorious Wednesday, April 15th, and you're locked into the Hot Tag WrestleCast right here at hackerhameen.podbean.com and available at anchor.fm backslash hot tag wrestling on this debut episode is the XFL finish. The revival is free, free at last, getting pumped with the body guy. Ryan K. Bowman of the Gorilla Position joins the show and our marquee main event guest. We're going to be talking the business of the business with the one and only Chris Silvio. Pro Wrestling Fanatics, I am the great American entrepreneur, the brand officer, the creator, pro wrestling commentator, ring announcer, and philosopher, the art of the beat of the V, Richard Brunson Vickery. But oh no, I'm not alone. I'd like to introduce everyone to my right-hand man in the control booth. He hails from the place I'm not allowed to visit, from the great white north, a six-year production and professional perfectionist. He's not just all in. He's Big Joe Morin. Let's go, Joe. Hey, what's going on, brother? I'm not uh, here just turning the knobs and flipping the switches. I'm here to provide a little bit of insight um, when it needed here. And, and I, I got to be honest with you, dude. Um, I did not know that uh, until we restarted this uh, madness here that uh, your middle name was Bronson. I had no idea. So I learned yeah, I uh, something that. new there. It's one of those few things in the two and a half years over at the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast or you know any of the great platforms that I've been able to share mm-hmm. my voice and my takes over with the Hameen Media Group that I've kind of kept that tight-lipped. I actually think there's there's maybe only one instance where I was on the, the Wednesday locker room 
And Bellow had asked me, Andrew Bellow said, you know what, I've always been wondering this. What does the B stand for? I think at that time I was actually out at a bar. I was doing a run-in spot with those guys. So at that point, it just, stir- it just stood for bourbon, as it regularly <laughs> that makes does. Sense, yeah. But hey, you know, this is the evolution of RBV, of Rick Vickery. So yeah, we're going full balls to the wall. Richard Bronson Vickery is here. This is the Hot Tag WrestleCast. Uh, and Joe, is, it, we're introducing this new adventure that we're yeah. going on here. Uh, I guess it's... I guess it's, I guess the best place to jump in is with a little bit of, of information, background information, mm-hmm. a wrestle cast one Oh one, a, a hot tag for dummies, if you will. You so a little bit about myself, maybe those that are unfamiliar if, if I hope we're getting thousands and thousands of new listeners. And those that have come over here is maybe a refreshers course about myself. And we're talking about a quarter century of professional experience in public relations live events, marketing, really all aspects that fall under that hospitality umbrella. Uh, when it comes to working inside of pro wrestling, uh, I guess things have really heated up for me probably you know, going back five years now. I- I've been working as, as a journalist, as a podcaster, a marketing advisor for promotions, live event coordinator, uh, and of course, you know, getting out there and being able to share my voice as a commentator, as a ring announcer, what I've really found a tremendous passion for. And when it comes to my style, you know, I take all of those, all of those experiences, if they're professional, if they're inside of professional wrestling, I take all those, I ball those together. I take all those learning opportunities and that's where I derive my takes from. So they have to have some substance with that. And I would see, when we're having these conversations, you're regularly going to hear us talk about 360 conversations. Mm-hmm. And really what that is, is you take any kind of a subject, any matter that's at hand. Immediately, we all have our our jumping in viewpoints. Now, how we're going to consume that, how we're digesting that as as the consumer. But you need to take that step back. And that's what we're going to encourage. You take that step back and you take that long 360 walk around whatever the conversation might be. And you look at it from every angle and you try to you know broaden your horizons to open up that dialogue and those different forms of conversation. That's yeah. something that we are going to emphasize here at the Hot Tag WrestleCast. You know, it. When it came to developing this show, and so many of these ideas I've had in my mind for, for so long, but when it really came down to this becoming a reality, I went out there and I looked at I looked at the market. I saw what the others are doing. Not necessarily the competition. Is we're all in this, it's a big brotherhood. We, yeah, we're all absolutely. going for the same goal. We have the same passions, the, the love for professional wrestling, and we want to be able to, to share that in all different aspects. But as I'm looking at the market, I came to the conclusion that there are basically three types of shows out there. You've got one, the shows with pros. Uh, those are the individuals that are offering real insight yeah. provided from the real insiders. Number two, you got shows with knowledgeable personalities. Uh, these are, you know, the true students of the games, the, the ones that really yeah. want to dive a little bit deeper, pull those layers back and get that sound understanding that are going to do the research, that are going to retain that knowledge. And, and then they want to be able to pass that along and share their insights and their thoughts. And then three, you, you have basically those shows that are made up of of the fanatics, you know, those that, that have been yeah. lifelong fans, you know, that maybe this is their little bit of escape for the weaker takes them to that better place. But hell, in this modern era, 2020 and how connected we are through social media, through all of your internet platforms, you know, those individuals, those fanatics just looking for a voice. So here on the hot tag WrestleCast, but what we're hoping to do is be a lot of, you know, the show styles one and two, 
but also, you know, to work with that, that third style, those fanatics, and help Absolutely. elevate them, you know, and, and broaden their horizons. Yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, without the, the hardcore fans, especially when it comes to professional wrestling, and we're, we're, we're definitely seeing that in some of the products right now, without the fans, I mean, it's, it's uh, not next to impossible, but, I mean, it's a huge aspect of the business not there. But I think, you know, as, as I lay out these, you know, your three basic foundations for you know, how you could classify the different show types. Yeah. And, you know, it, just the two of us sitting here, you know, we would probably, we were going to fall into that number two category. Mm. And, you know, I, and, and it's been one of my efforts is, you know, I continue to evolve inside and, and picking up more work with these promotions to kind of make that transition towards that first show type where I, I'm able to obtain you know, that great deal of knowledge that I can continue to pass on to, to the listeners out there and those that would fall into that second tier. But, you know, really, no matter where you're at in this game, we all started there in that third spot, you know, as that fanatic. Yep. And now those individuals are taking those opportunities to, to share their thoughts. So, as again, we're all in this thing together. We're moving forward. We have got some great plans here for this show. We're just getting started right here on the, uh, the Hot Tag WrestleCast. Big Joe, what do you say? Uh, let's get it going. I know you got some hot take headlines that we got to get to. <laughs> uh, first one up on the list here, Rick, is an interesting one because just uh, of the nature, especially with social media these days, we're talking XFL's closing. Uh, let's uh, let's bring some reality and some facts to what's really kind of going on here, Rick. Uh, absolutely. This News broke yesterday on this thing, and it mm-hmm. was one of those cases where it was immediate overreaction oh, from yeah. the internet wrestling community. It, really, not just the internet wrestling community, but the sports world. Social you, you media in general. All over this. Yeah. A- absolutely. And a number of sources, uh, you know, really rushing forward with this thing. One of the leaders in sports, the first to get it out there, ESPN. Yeah. But one of the issues, you know, it, it, let's talk about that response from the masses from the quote unquote fans, I guess they take to this thing. And you see a lot of people mocking this situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, I don't know if it's as much as I guess it's on two fronts. You got people that are immediately built into, if you are tied into the wrestling community, it's just almost like a second nature for so many yeah. to, t- to take shots at the WWE, anything Vince McMahon to really try to you just rub it in with any kind of failure. And then from the actual sports world, it's not that they're losing another form of football. It's mm-hmm. almost like so many people are just glad that that quote-unquote sideshow circus guy, Vince McMahon, is out of their lives. And I think that was really unfair and yeah. a little harsh to jump to that judgment. Well, what fueled that, though, is you look at these headlines. And they're partially right. But, you know, they're all for clickbait. Mm-hmm. I work in marketing. You're, our job there is to have that that headline that grabs people. You 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 got that you're dangling that bait out there. You want to set that hook, that clickbait to mm-hmm. get them to go to the story to follow up on this thing. Let's look at the real situation. Yes, they they have ceased operations right now. They suspended operations and they have laid off employees. Mm-hmm. That part is perfectly true there in those headlines. And then you get into the tricky part where the wording and they're not actually lying to us, but they're not exactly telling us the whole truth here with no foreseeable plans to continue operation. Right. 
So immediately people are assuming that's it. They're closing up shop, yeah. locking up the doors, you know, giving the keys back to the bank, whatever the case might be. That's not the reality of what's happening here. It, not in the least bit. No. It, it doesn't make any sense. It, look at what's going on in society. And you look at what's up with the other sports leagues in the infancy so early in the existence of the XFL. I mean, they weren't even through their first season yet. Why do they need to kind of fast forward and be aggressive into whatever their offseason operations would have been? What sense does it make right now for them to keep anybody employed, to keep anybody in the books and continue paying that payroll outside of a couple of exclusive executives? It it, it doesn't, yeah. It doesn't. And what, what, I, what I think is happening, especially on uh, Facebook and Twitter and whatnot, is we're having the effect of it, it, it's still it's the it's the hip thing to make fun of, to um, to downplay anything that's really even related to WWE. And just because it is out there that, yes, uh, Vince owns the XFL, that it just as a byproduct, I mean, it, it, it falls under that. And people are just very quick to go, oh, well, they're, they're done. They're done. I'm like... It just—it's people like like you said at the the top of the show here is like people just aren't looking at that 360 view. They're only looking at it from one side, one aspect of things, and that's what they're basing their entire opinion on. Absolutely, and you look already at a, a league in itself that is on a shoestring budget. Uh, you know, Vince has put out you know millions of his own in the Alpha, the parent company, Alpha Sports, to get this thing going here, yeah. and all those others that have invested you know <clears throat> their financials, their time. So right now, they're, they're just putting a pause on this thing. They have an opportunity. They have essentially what they have is six weeks in the can, and that is tremendous marketing research for them. So the, the few, the contractors, whatever they have available to them right now, they can look at all that. They have real marketing research available to them. They can reassess everything they need to do going forward here, and you can do that with a small group. You don't need league-wide employees at this point, so you're no. saving on all those financials. That's what they're doing inside of this regroup. Then we also, as we continue that stroll, that 360 stroll around this thing, let's look at society as a whole. What are people, what are business owners talking about? They're talking about government assistance, yep. bailout programs. Vince McMahon himself, WrestleMania Sunday, was on a conference call with President Trump and the other leader, you know, the leaders of the major sports leagues. Major League Baseball, the NBA, NFL, NHL, UFC, they're all there. And they're talking about, you know, the reality of getting them back onto the court, onto the field, onto the track, into the rings, whatever the case might be. And that's not just in the sense of giving the public something a little that they're familiar to. There is there is such an impact on our economy, the Mm -hmm. financials the trickle-down effect that runs through professional sports. And I know there's some, well, they're overpaid, and we don't need to be paying attention yeah, was, yeah. To, to guys, you know, guys playing a children's game, playing ball. Well, it's bigger picture than that. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about, it. this goes down to, it, just in my business, who I represent in marketing, at bars and restaurants. The impact, the loss, before the shutdowns were going on, just the simple loss of the NCAA tournament, we saw revenue. At so many locations, I mean, drastically dropping, you know, sixty to eighty percent. That's huge. Just be, just because you took away the games that were bringing people in, yeah. you can look at the financials of when a team leaves a market. When you see a, a, a team on the move, relocating, the deficit. 
devastating impact it will have on an individual market just losing a professional team. And now you have that across all of these leagues, this wide spectrum. This is an economy issue, mm-hmm. you know, more so than a comfort issue. So, in, so we're looking, we're going back, we're looking at those bailouts and those assistance programs. Right now, the XFL can sit back and say, okay, what is going to be available to us? What, yeah. what is the slice of the pie for us when they're going to help these other leagues get reestablished and back to their operations? So again here, everybody jumping the gun. The, the XFL, they're just putting things, they're hitting the pause button right now. They're going to reevaluate everything, see where they're going, what their options are, and then they'll make an official announcement. Yeah. Now, there's been some sports organizations that have been very quick on their toes, and i got to give them props. Uh, the big one that stands out to me, Rick, is NASCAR. Uh, they've essentially started doing virtual races, uh, even with some of the uh, the actual racers like Jimmy Johnson, Kurt Busch, and these guys, uh, plus you know some professional uh, racing gamers, to, to basically pull it on a full-on Fox broadcast of a simulated race uh, to kind of keep things going forward and keep the the interest there and i gotta, gotta give them props and, and you know i'm not being a huge nascar fan but i did check out a couple of these and i, I, I gotta say well done they did a really good job and they're, they're they're at least keeping people keeping the interest there so that when things do come back you know they haven't lost everything yeah i was actually you know listening to an episode of turnbuckle talk with you and your with you and carl mm-hmm. uh, that's what turned me on to that, you know, that NASCAR was moving forward with something like this. And I'm yeah. with you, you know, hat tip, want to applaud their efforts <clears throat> to, to staying on that cusp, being innovative yeah. and, and using the technologies and the trends of 2020, getting the video games involved. And again, once you incorporate that style, those e-sports, as you said, you weren't really aware of it. I wasn't yeah. aware of it, but you're opening up your sport, your genre to this whole new audience. Yeah. Uh, and since then, we've seen the NBA follow suit. You know, they had their actual, they had some of the biggest stars in the game going toe to toe in the 2K series. Nice. And people were tuning in for that. And a tremendous response for that. Uh, people really enjoyed it. And that's what's so important right now. These, these leagues, they have to, they have to look to continue to evolve and stay relevant and stay in the forefront. I regularly tell all my clients and anybody, it's in business right now or personally in a time of crisis like this, when you plan to thrive, you're not just going to be the one that survives at the end of this. You're going to come out stronger than ever when everything, I won't say gets back to the way it was, but when we get back to a sense of normalcy here and again, for the XFL, they're just stepping back. They're, they're checking out the landscape, seeing what's going on and hell it might make, it might make sense for them when this is said and done to not, start back up uh they they might be able to recoup some of these losses here and those that really made those big investments they might be able to break even on this thing i'm just saying with everybody kind of jumping the gun and and that that is the nature to have that that knee-jerk reaction take a step back take a breather look at this thing from all angles there's so much of this story that needs to that needs to continue playing out here and we're talking about it's it's almost second nature for individuals to to take those cheap shots at the wwe (laughs) Well, I know two guys that have been waiting for an opportunity yes. to get out of their contracts to get away from the WWE. Uh, Big Joe, we got the revival. It seems that they have been granted their their releases. What uh, what more do you got on this thing? Man, it's a, this it's it's weird with these guys because it's expected but a surprise all at the same time because i mean the writing has been on the wall for 
quite a while with these guys. I mean, it's just no secret that they were unhappy there. And, you know, they, they employ a very old school uh, type of mentality. Even just the, their in-ring work is very much a throwback, thus the the term the revival for the for their team. This is only going to be positive uh, for them, Rick, especially if they can get over to Ring of Honor because that opens the doors to the NWA and to New Japan as well. And, I mean, just imagine the revival in World Tag League over New Japan. I mean, I'm excited just thinking about it. Yeah, absolutely. You, just, you mentioned a little bit of that, that turbulence inside of WWE. A little bit, you gotta yeah. Think back. You, well, you got to think, let's, let's think back yeah. to some of those those better days yep. those glory days with the revival going back to nxt yeah where they where they did have you know that focus they did put that emphasis on tag team wrestling and these guys were uh, again with the revival kind of gimmick they were that classic throwback yeah. what's what's old was new with these guys <laughs> and it was still contrast to everything else that they had going on y- you thought the sky was the limit but hell the sky they were just going to take out to outer space, re you know, yeah. reinvent the game again. Uh, they get to the main roster, the red and blue, as we as we see so often. Yeah. There's that disconnect, you know, where there isn't that importance placed on tag team wrestling, and the frustrations began to set in over the years. Yeah. And this wasn't you know the first time that we heard rumblings about them wanting out. This has been a reoccurring situation. Well, hell, now for what two three years, and and then yeah. we heard that WWF had been offering good money to re-up you know they wanted to get them locked down for the next three five years whatever it might have been and the revival just was very persistent on no you know we're here to honor the current deal yep. when this expires we'd like to go see if the grass is greener on the other side uh that day has finally come for them mm-hmm. uh, they're going to go out there and test that market to see what their true worth is out there and, and now we know that there is a value there is opportunity Absolutely. there is another you know another competing major promotion that can equal those big paydays. And as you mentioned there, everybody immediately jumps AEW. AEW. (laughs) Every time. Every time. That's where they got to go. But I love what you lay out there. AEW, yes, that will likely be the final destination. But wouldn't it be nice to have, you know, on that adventure, on that journey, to hit a few nice tourist stops? Yeah. Along the way there. And then you really build up, you build up that, that heat under you. Mm-hmm. You're building up that pop when it actually happens. When you, when you finally arrive at AEW and really you're, you're building up your, your financials because you're building up your worth. If you take, if you make that round and you tour the other promotions that you put it out there, ring of honor, uh, it just, if you could go there for three to six months and work a program with the Briscoes, oh. what that would oh. do, what that oh. would do for these two. Yeah. Uh, if, you know, one of the right things that I regularly put out there is I build like this dream situation in my mind is with the upcoming, whenever it's going to be rescheduled, is the Crockett Cup. Mm. Could you imagine the revival? I mean, yeah, we're man. talking about that old school mentality, what they represent. That's the NWA, baby. That's the Crockett Cup. They are, they're the poster t- kids for this thing those are gorgeous belts too by the way and, and even even before they go over there i would even say you know do a little bit of a you use the the hardy's trick before they they kind of came back before they did that um spot with the roh and then came back at wrestlemania do the whole tour i mean 
I wouldn't mind seeing uh, the revival of where they're going to call themselves now. Just imagine them making a stop at MLW and having a match with the Von Ericks. I mean, there's so yeah. many good potential matchups that these guys can have now. They're no longer hampered by the the shackles, the prison that is a WWE main roster. I mean, these guys. I mean, these guys are really going to have a chance to really make a a mark on the industry now. I, I'm really looking forward to seeing, and I, I just hope that they don't narrow their their view too much and get um, stuck somewhere. I, I want to see them do like do the whole game, go to Impact, say work with the Rascals. Like I said, did the Von Ericks in MLW? I mean, just have at it. Have some fun, and then you know, then settle down. And I could just imagine, like especially in World Tag League, just the matchups there. Are just I mean, are, would be unbelievable. Well, you mentioned Impact Wrestling came to mind. You, you threw out the Rascals, but I didn't even think about. The program that I didn't even know I want, but now I I must have. Right. Stop by Impact Wrestling. Give me the revival in the North. Mm-hmm. I mean that would be instant classic. Yeah. The program all the way around. It, you mentioned there New Japan. If they could fit it in the schedule to go partake in World Tag League. Yeah, uh, you're talking. You're talking about setting the indie trail on fire, and and then you just build that all up. I'm saying you build that heat, you build that pop, so that maybe a year from now. When you do show up in AEW, and that's a tricky part there, is you don't want to overextend that stay mm-hmm. on the indies, you know, because you don't want to fade out of memory too much. But then when you yeah. yeah, when you do hit dynamite, watch out for that explosion. Yeah. And that's I think that's the that's the path that they should choose instead of just making that immediate jump to AEW that we're seeing now. It, it seems that rinse and repeat, you know, show up in AEW, get into a program with one of uh, their their upper echelon, they're you know the, the talking. I won't say the talking heads there, but the faces of their company. So mm-hmm. in this case, it would be going to a program with the Bucks, yeah. And along the way, bash oh, WWE. Yeah. Let's let's do something else here. Yeah. Let's go to the traditional route. You're the revival. Let's let's almost as if you're touring the territories on your way to that big promotion to that mountaintop. Well, I mean, I mean that's got to be the ultimate goal. Cause, I mean, that's something that's been teased, that's been hinted at hard for a long time. The whole hashtag FTR, you know, fuck the revival. That's been uh, going on for quite a while, and I mean that, that that's a matchup that fans have been clamoring for for quite a while. Revival versus the Unbucks, and um, it's obviously something we all want to see. Well, we're, we're talking about all these promotions, Big Joe, and and right now. We're not getting a lot of new content from them. Not We're not getting a lot of original content. I know places, you know, like Impact, they had oh, a lot boy. in the can. So it is nice to watch professional wrestling with an audience. Uh, and the other promotions are giving us some classic throwbacks <laughs> and all that. But let's switch a little gears here. Uh, but let's, let's step back in time a little bit. Let's go. Let's go back. To WrestleMania weekend, and we're used mm-hmm. to having all these extravagant shows and so mm-hmm. much wrestling to talk about. But yeah. in most cases, people just thinking that WrestleMania was the only show in town, but that's not the case. Yep. This extravaganza weekend, it wasn't just about WrestleMania. Nope. We had another. We had another show. It, it went on as planned. Mm-hmm. Maybe not planned, but it went on as envisioned. Uh, I, I dropped this thing on you, Big Joe. This thing had you all confused. You were all over the place on this thing. Uh, of course, I'm talking about Ethan Page's oh, body Jesus. guy extravaganza. 
I absolutely love this thing. Uh, yeah. Do you want to try to make sense to the listeners about what you watch, or do you want me to try to explain this thing? So uh, I'm literally sitting, like, you guys can't see this because you're not watching video of, of us recording here, but I'm literally sitting here like I am right now. I'm not, wasn't dressed up like I am now for the occasion, but, uh, and, and Rick drops this thing on me, this Ethan Page's uh, body extravaganza thing. And he's like, check this out. Check this show out. I'm like, I'm, I'm expecting a wrestling show, right? And, and uh, I pull up the clip and I see 14 minutes. I'm like, what is this? You know. And so then I pull up the thing and I'm like scrubbing through it. And I'm like, I'm not seeing really much of anything. And I messaged Rick. I was like, so like, is, is this a preview for the show? Like, what's going on? No, 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 this is the show. I'm like, dude, it can't be the show. I'm like, do you have the actual link? Is this on Fight TV? Like, what's going on here? And I sit down and I watch this thing and... I gotta be brutally honest with you, man. I, it's um, I, I don't really know what I watched. Uh, I, I, I get it, it is kind of what it is, but th- this kind of stuff. I mean, just it. Um, I don't know if it's going over my head or if it's going under my knees, but I just uh, it totally missed the mark with me, Rick. Totally missed the mark. I, I guess to to go a little more clear here, and so what you're actually watching here. Yeah, I'm still Ethan wondering. Page of, <laughs> Ethan Page of Impact Wrestling. One half of the North. Awesome. Amazing he, talent. Amazing talent. Incredible talent. And obviously, as we see here, uh, a visionary, tremendous imagination. What he had planned running WrestleMania week, and he put together a show here that it was Ethan Page, body guy extravaganza. Uh, st- stars from all over the indie scene were going to be a, be a part of this show. You had you know Joey Ryan, Orange Cassidy, oh, Brian K. Nice. Scott Steiner, so many. So many tremendous talents were coming in for this thing, but just like all the other independent shows and everything going on in society here with the coronavirus and, and all the restrictions that we're seeing placed on society, they had to cancel. Yeah. Well, Ethan Page, he proceeds to keep continue promoting this thing. Vince McMahon's not the only promoter that's willing to push forward and bring the tremendous fans of professional wrestling something, a, an original product here. He continue. he's pushing forward. He's advertising this thing. We're going to go live on Facebook. It was the the Friday beforehand, three o'clock. Thousands, thousands log in to check this thing out. I was one of them. We don't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. So we open up. Mr. Page is at his house and he welcomes us in. And he's talking about this amazing card, putting over these talents. And then he drops the bombshell. Well, they had to cancel travel. They mm-hmm. couldn't get people in for the show. They're worried. Obviously, they're worried about the safety. But the show must go on. So he opens the doors. He pulls back that curtain <laughs> and lets us into his imagination. Yeah. And, and then we go into an animation process. He brought in a tremendous crew of animators, cartoonists, and they put together this show. And, and they have original voiceovers. They're piecing together past clips to really just bring this thing to life. It is an incredible watch, an incredible experience. You can find it on YouTube. You just, just search for Ethan Page. And it's going to be right there in his featured videos. They've got the actual Body Guy Extravaganza. They got the making up. They got the the post show Q yep. and A. And Victor, one of the things that hits you, it was an immediate turnoff. And again, this is a net three sixty conversation. Yeah, you were kind. You were a little offended because it's not professional wrestling the wrestling. way you expect it. That's right. You know, I, I will say coming out of it though, uh, again, you know, trying to look at it from different aspects. I, I don't want to be a total dick about the things. I, I really didn't enjoy it, but I, I got to see it. I just made a hint out of it to be a total dick. Is I wouldn't mind actually seeing. As crazy as this sounds, you had mentioned their names. We got Joey Ryan, we've got Scott Steiner, we've got Orange Cassidy. Let's have a three way match where. 
Joey Ryan does the dick thing with Scott Steiner, all connected to Orange Cassie to give the dick flip to Orange Cassie through Scott Steiner. That would be pretty amazing, I think. Well, see, now you go. You're, you're opening it up yourself here. You're, you're opening your mind. And I know immediately. I'm trying. I'm trying. That, one of the things that got you, and you asked me, you said, well, what do you think Cornette would say about this? Oh, yeah. And, His head would explode. And, to most, and I regularly have heard this. And to most people's surprise, I think somebody like Jim Cornette, who is that traditionalist, who is very respectful and protects yeah. those values of professional wrestling, I think he would actually be okay with something like this. Yeah. Because in no way is this. While it's having fun with pro wrestling, it's not making fun of pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. They're not using this wasn't meant to be a serious piece that's going to help drive any of the personas involved. This isn't helping, you know, push along storylines. This is just a moment to go completely outside the realm and use the likeness yeah. to, to use the methods, the impressions of professional wrestling to have a little bit of an escape. You know, it's something very similar to like Hawk Hogan's rock and wrestling cartoon. You know, it, it's yep, just a completely point. different platform. And especially in a time where we're hungry, going back to that WrestleMania weekend where we're used to having a couple dozen shows to really sink our teeth into, we're starved for something. Yeah. And, and this was a way to have a little bit of fun without making fun of professional wrestling. I thought this was a tremendous piece. Bravo to everybody that was involved with this. As you mentioned, you know, what could we do now? Who could we get involved? What, you know, um, these hypothetical imagination right. land concepts can we come up with? I thought it'd be <clears> cool if he got his crew together, if Ethan Page got his crew together and went back in and maybe revisited, you know, certain situations in pro wrestling that were maybe a little fabricated that we never mm-hmm. got. Uh, the one that really came to mind to me was what really happened down there in Puerto Rico when Pat Patterson ran the gauntlet in the Intercontinental Championship mm, tournament. Yeah. You know, as, as we all know, you know, completely fabricated. But what if? Right. What really happened back then? Yeah. You know, if they could use that, you know, and, and maybe go forward and get picked up with, you know, if, if it's social media or whatever, I think you could get this thing picked up by a, a network seeing the success of something like the Dark Side of the Ring mm. that would run with something like this. So a tremendous effort all around for these gentlemen. I applaud them. Big Joe, I'm glad you're coming around on this, but hey, that's what we're talking about. We are here at the Hot Tag WrestleCast trying to, to broaden those horizons, open those minds. And uh, just, a, right. and just a, a couple things that what you said to, to kind of go off of that. Uh, you had mentioned you know, last year in WrestleMania season, of course, you know, if you're a real true fan, you know that there isn't just WrestleMania during that weekend. I mean, there's a, a plethora of other promotions running. I remember even last year, I think I even cut my WrestleMania watching short to watch it, uh, stop watching live because I knew I could just watch it later on the network. I think I ended up watching, I think it was Wrestle Circus on Twitch.tv, and, and I thoroughly enjoyed myself with that show. And you know, and you had mentioned, mentioned Mr. Jim Cornette and Dark Side of the Ring. Um, if you want to catch the most recent episode on the Brawl for All, uh, very well done, very insightful about uh, that whole kind of situation there. And, you know, and specifically on Jim Cornette, of course, if you're somebody, especially inside of our bubble, you know that him and Vince Russo have probably one of the most heated rivalries in the business. And, and you know, this episode, you know, it was no different. And you really saw Jim just kind of just lay into Mr. Russo. I mean, I, I don't know how many expletives were dropped in that. And, uh, you know, the, the version that thankfully I get to get, it's uncensored. Otherwise, it would just be bleep to hell in that segment. But, uh, yeah, the, there's still some very bitter feelings with those two guys. 
Yeah, obviously, you know, the same old song and dance there from from Mr. Jim Cornette. But, yep. hey, Vince Russo, he, he keeps rolling along, man. He's always mm-hmm. looking for the next step, the next adventure. Yep. And he's he's got – he sure as hell got one here. Let's kick it on over and hear from our friends at Broaster's Coffee. Bro, if you're a real coffee lover, then you've got to try Broaster's Limited Edition Vince Russo Bro Coffee. Available right now at www.thebroasters.com. This limited edition coffee is fresh roasted weekly and shipped directly to your door. You will love the Nicaraguan blend with roasted chocolatey notes when you smell it. Get your Vince Russo Bro Coffee today at thebroasters.com and follow them at Coffee Broasters today on Twitter. Enjoy the best coffee today, bro. From Broasters. Vince Russo brand and Hameen Media Group. That was our boy Big Ray Hernandez of the Smack Attack putting over our friends at Broaster's Coffee. But joining the Hot Tag WrestleCast is another of our good friends. He is the modern day messiah of what's old is new. You can take that TMZ ass shit and shove it. And he is he's all about telling the true stories of pro wrestling storytellers. The man who discovered the greatest podcast personality of all time. We're going to welcome in the editor-in-chief of the GorillaPosition.com, Mr. Ryan K. Bowman. How are we doing, Sid? I am doing very good, and thank you very much for that incredible introduction. I am humbled by your presence, RBV. Well, absolutely well-earned there, Ryan. Uh, before we, we jump into our, our hot 360 conversation we've got, got planned out here, I wanted to spend a little time talking about all those delicious flavors you got brewing over there at Gorilla Position. Yeah, we've got a great uh, host of columnists. Uh, we've, you know, we've had some changes over the past year, but I think we brought in a lot of really good faces. Uh, I love what uh, Mark Mahler does on, on Fridays with the Casual Sheep column. Obviously, we've got our senior editor, Jim Phillips. Um, who's always bringing stories that he picks up on the road, hanging out with some of the grizzled old veterans. And and we've got a couple younger writers right now that are making some waves. So I'm um, just always enjoying that and always happy to uh, feature you guys, you know, our podcasters that have become our friends and, and affiliates over the years. Well, so you guys, you're, you're always evolving, moving forward to guerrilla position, but you, you stay true to those traditional values of journalism. You know, it's not about the, the over-the-top clickbait stories of, you know, what's going on between between the sheets, if you will. Uh, you, you tell those real stories. You, you threw out a name there. Your senior editor, Mr. Jim Phillips, he's got an incredible piece right now over yeah. to GorillaPosition.com. It's about perseverance inside of professional wrestling. Uh, there's individuals that have that, that drive, that desire, that fire to push forward. Another incredible piece there from Mr. Phillips. But I did want to ask about one of your featured columnists. And it, is this, a, is this a, a shoot name, a work name? Is this the real person? I'm talking about one Lauren Conrad. <laughs> you know, this is one of those mysteries wrapped inside of a riddle, inside of an enigma. You know, Lauren's a very, uh, she keeps a low profile. Um, we're, we're never really sure exactly. It's kind of like only the shadow knows what she's up to. But at the same time, she's also been a very welcome addition. She's not afraid to raise a little hell whenever she does a piece of sin. And, um, you know, it's, again, I've, I've said this, one of the things that I like, I've always liked about what we've done with the gorilla is that we've tried to mix a lot of different personalities and definitely go for more of a feature or a column or an opinion type aspect as opposed to worrying about uh, breaking stories and and uh, doing you know different kind of news items because quite frankly you know we're not going to be able to keep up with Twitter we're not going to be able to keep up with 
the word of mouth that spreads faster than than anything that any news source can can really keep up with now. So I'd rather focus on uh, kind of outside the box thinking, and I think that's uh, that's that's been the key to our success. And you've been a part of that as well, Rick. Well, see, now that now we mentioned Lauren Conrad, and why I was so curious about this, I, I went to the Google machine. I've got these beautiful photos of the Lauren Conrad from the hills up. I was hoping you could get me, you give me that inside track so I could slide up in those DMs. But I guess, I guess I, 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 I think to... I can confirm. I can confirm that it is not the same person. Damn it! Damn it! Well, I, I guess if it's uh, is it, so is she kind of catfishing us? <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm not really sure. Again, I, at this point, I've gotten to where I don't even deal with the, the the personality so much as I deal with what the content is and how much that uh, you know, how much I feel like it fits our site. So it's kind of odd because you know, that first crew that came in with the grill, like you guys, you know, we all got to be really close, personal friends, and now a lot of times it's just kind of like these satellite affiliates who who kind of come around. So now I I don't probably know some of the newer people as well as I know you guys. I said I want to be punctual, and then I go off on a side tangent. But <laughs> let's get to the reason you're here, Ryan. You know, when I was laying out this first episode and kind of coming up with, you know, how I wanted to, how I wanted to structure this thing. This was one of the, the topics that we had to touch on, and you know, with the pandemic and the uncertainty, there's there's a lot of conversation happening when it comes to life moving forward. You know, are we going to return to what we knew? the way it was? Or are we going to have this drastic change in society? Now, I think we're going to get a little bit of a balance between those, but still there are so many questions out there. Now, even inside our little bubble, the world of professional wrestling, there are so many questions. And I wanted to reach out to you in particular to talk about you know, what, what kind of landscape we might be looking at as we move forward. And in doing so, I thought the best place to start is at the base of that mountain, the foundation where we start building professional wrestling and that's at the mom pop shop style indie promotions. Uh, mm. what, what do you see the impact here in now dealing with it in the real time in the situation? How do you see this affecting the indie shows, the indie promotions, the workers? And maybe where are they going to move as we you know, start getting back to being able to socialize and out and about and attending events? I mean, obviously, we saw what happened with uh, the amount of revenue that so many indies were counting on with WrestleMania weekend and when that yeah. was canceled, um, there were a lot of major shows, a lot of indie companies that were really counting on that room. That's a big chunk of their revenue uh, as far as their annual take in, so to speak. But even, you know, on a personal level, you know, all of us, all of the people in our, our little bubble, as you mentioned, have had some connections to indie level wrestling. And I think even myself, you know, I'm scratching my head, like what's next? You know, I can't imagine what it has to be like to be an independent promoter and somebody whose lifeblood is counting on those two or three shows a month or those four or five shows a year that are keeping you in business. As far as having an answer, I'm not sure if I have one because I've never seen anything like this before. I'd be in panic mode, though, right now if I were uh, especially a mid-major company that is counting on, uh, you know, your your constant streaming, your constant social media and your constant ability to put out content. Well, now there's no content. So where do you go? Well, you know, if we're talking about here at this base. We're, you know, we're looking up the mountain. And of course, it starts with the indies. And for most cases, that's where so many of the talents begin and, and really where the base of professional wrestling is at itself. So this can go to the very top. But I think 
you don't want to panic in a situation like this. As I regularly tell you know, my clients in marketing, those who are thriving right now are not just going to survive. They're going to come out ahead on the backside of this thing. So as you mentioned, you know, right now in your mindset, the way it's always been, they're looking at if, if you're a talent, you're, you're losing shows right now. You're losing those paydays. If you're a promoter, you're losing those gates. Those are gone. That, that is a real situation of, that you have to deal with. But now how do you overcome? What are avenues that you can kind of make up that gap or even maybe go further in promoting yourself and growing that, those income potentials? I, I do want to say I've seen so many of the talents out there that are really hustling. They, they kind of kicked it in overdrive that you see them now. They're, they're more in tune to pushing their gear or getting match tape out there. And that's, you know, broadening horizons, bringing fans in for them, but they got to keep pushing that. So for promotions like this, again, this is the perfect time. If you, hopefully you've got a lot of video and content in the vault to start putting that together and starting getting people up to speed with your product. And Ryan, I know you're, you're heavily involved with the likes of those mid-majors, like kind of impact wrestling, ring of honor, major league wrestling, Ohio Valley wrestling, who they, we know they have a tremendous vault. So for them, what do you see? This is like a perfect opportunity to maybe go back and start maybe not re-educating, but educating a new fan base and trying to pull them in for you. Well, I think you sort of hit it on the head right there, Rick, when you said and it's not only up to just the individual companies, it's up to the individual wrestlers themselves. You know, if, if you want to call this your, quote, downtime, well, this is a great time to get caught up on all those projects that you were going to do in terms of social media or your Instagram a great example of that right now is what Ethan Page has been doing with his YouTube channel, where he's found these creative ways to continue to market himself. And, and you know, in terms of the companies themselves, as you said, um, maybe you're a company like Ohio Valley Wrestling that's just now getting ready to, to you know, they're just launching on YouTube America. They have a vault they can rely on. They have content that they can go back and fall back on. Uh, is that the case for every company out there? Absolutely not. But at this point, I mean, again, this being such a, an unusual situation, you have to be creative, whether you're an individual or a promotion. Um, that's going to be the name of the game in terms of survival. And I will say, you know, there is so much incredible content out there. I mean, we can just go down the line and listing promotion after promotion, what they have to offer. I mean, it's almost to a point for so many fans, it's, it's impossible to really take in, consume all that content. So you got to, you know, really present it as, you know, if you haven't seen Major League Wrestling, if you haven't seen Promotion A, Promotion B, it's new to you. So get on board now. This is a time to, to learn what, where we've come from so that when we do return to action, you're full steam ahead with us. Big Joe, yeah. you got something? Yeah, this is almost a restart. I'm sorry, Joe, just real quick, just to fall back on what you said. Yes, it's almost kind of a reboot or restart for even the fan base. It's a chance for us to go back and get caught back up on this runaway train that we might have missed out on over the last few years. I'm sorry, Joe. Go ahead. Uh, I mean, even uh, today, going back to, to yesterday, you know, there's the, this news of possibly WWE essentially kind of shutting down, not really any live shows anymore. I'm seeing people kind of, well, what am I going to do for watching wrestling? And I have to keep reminding these people, there, it's not just WWE out there. We have, you know, like Ring of Honor, we have MLW, we have OVW. And like you had mentioned, Rick, that they, they have this back catalog of all this content that's available. I mean, and, and even with WWE itself, there's the WWE Network 
Network, you can go back and not only watch all of WWE's content, there's a bunch of mid-South uh, Atlantic, there's a bunch of AWA, there's a bunch of WCW there you can go back and watch, um, other than just the live content that uh, we're missing out on. Um, I mean, just we're seeing that it's impacted all over the place. I mean, not since I think maybe 9-11 has there been something that has really kind of impacted things on a, a large scale. I mean, this is an even, even larger scale. This is a worldwide thing where virtually almost everything is shut down at this point. But it, it, like to mention here as well, you do have promotions like Ring of Honor who are being a little aggressive. They're looking for that new content. You know, this past week they reached out to our good friend Michael Jargo uh, to come on and yeah, kind of cool. in, on the fly. He created the Pod of Honor, and they're going to begin feeding him some of their top stars. Uh, he just sat down with former Ring of Honor World Champion PCO. Uh, they had a tremendous conversation, Excellent. about an hour long, and that entire thing was produced with the intent of that going to honor club. So, you know, awesome wow. opportunity there for Jargo. Wow. He's helping ring of honor create this new content. So they're going to be, you, you want to get out there and tell the stories of your stars. And you can do that on any level to try to introduce that. What's important is, is to be aggressive, to be out front, to be seen and make yourself a focal point there. Well, I think that goes back down to being creative and being willing to, to reach out to outlets and and reach out to your fan base. And by the way, that is awesome news to hear about Jargo having that involvement with Ring of Honor. And I, I would encourage any wrestling company, especially uh, as we know, I mean, WWE and AEW have a, a tremendous uh, financial backing. Um, Ring of Honor and Impact have special situations involving their television deals because, well, they're tied into their TV networks, essentially. Um, but these mid-majors like MLW, like uh, OVW, some of the, the companies that, that could stand to have that different type, that unique kind of exposure, I would encourage them to take that route with podcasters, with websites, with people, with, uh, you know, people that are influencers within the wrestling world. Because for right now, at this point, you don't have much else content to work with. Mm. This might be a really groundbreaking time for pro wrestling if they explore these unique options that are have you know i mean i i think it's uh what is it uh it's the it's the mother of invention <laughs> i think it's desperation or <laughs> I, I don't i'm not sure what the quote is but at this point you know when you're desperate and you really need this content at this point now you have the opportunity to open up pandora's box and see what happens uh, i guess, with, I guess with the point you're trying to get to is the blue collar term is it's time to shit or get off the pot there you go. absolutely Absolutely. And why not, you know, take a chance now at this point, as we've seen with WWE experimenting with the motion picture type of matches. Hey, if that sticks fine, it works. Maybe you go with it going forward. Maybe you try a few different things at this point. All bets are off because we've never dealt with a coronavirus shutdown before. So you might as well take those chances. You might as well reach out to different media outlets and see what kind of noise you can make, because if not, there's not much buzz going on. Well, you mentioned WWE, so as we're talking about pro wrestling here in the West, let's go ahead and shift those gears. Let's get to the top of the mountain, the King Kong. Uh, of course, when, when you, the general public thinks pro wrestling, WWE comes to mind. You know, They are at the forefront there, and we've seen them be very aggressive here. They put themselves in some can't-win situations, but they have stayed true to their movement. They pushed forward. They got WrestleMania in the can. They got it aired to the masses. It looks like from some accounts, it's had tremendous success. And there was question about where they would be going in 
the immediate future, it looks like they're planning again. They're going to send some people down to the Performance Center, get a couple weeks worth of programming in the can so they can continue to provide us with original content. We know that the planned location for Money in the Bank has canceled that event. Uh, Now what we do not know is the new destination or direction for that event. So that's up in the air. We don't really know long-term the societal regulations we're facing here. So much going on inside of WWE and what they are going to do, what they've done at WrestleMania, what they're going to do moving forward is really going to dictate where this industry goes. Ryan, you had talked about, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll jump in here. You talked about the cinematic style back at WrestleMania. And I, I know you've got some strong feelings about you know, this really influencing or potentially influencing the future of pro wrestling. No, I, I think that I'm this. It's going to sound strange coming from me, but if done correctly, I'm okay with it. Uh, I, I saw some great things that came out of what WWE has done. I saw some great things that Lucha Underground did. I've seen Impact have this. I mean, Impact's done a lot of major storylines through this type of mini movie type. I, I honestly think that going forward, whether it's because of the coronavirus or because We've again, we've kind of hatched a new egg here. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot more of this in wrestling going this year and going forward. I think it makes a lot of sense. I think it's a totally different take on the industry. And while old school guys like me may not necessarily like it, it might be that new fresh take, that new fresh coat of paint on the business that pro wrestling's been looking for. I, I know that you guys have all heard the quote that Vince McMahon always wanted to make movies. And now they're doing that. And and I think that might be sort of we I'm not saying pro wrestling will ever be totally replaced, but I think we're going to see a lot more of this uh, Hollywood panache that we've been getting lately. Well, I, what do you, you talk about Vince McMahon and he's always had that mindset, you know, he wanted to be more than pro wrestling. He wanted to have that breakthrough you know, to that mainstream and, and thus and he could give you every reason in the world, but he completely embraced that opportunity to get away from pro wrestling and become sports entertainment. But we've even heard some rumors here lately. Not only did he not really have anything to do with those, I guess do we call them matches or segments that we saw at WrestleMania, but he didn't even really watch them until up until close to the airing. So, I mean, that's how removed he was from this aggressive thinking in which, you know, you're describing as the potential for the next the next chapter the turn in this genre my reservations about this thing is inside it it was very unique it was very dynamic applaud wwe for pushing their boundaries thinking outside of the box but when in doing so you really begin to blur those lines for me and i'm okay with that i'm okay with evolving and moving forward but in my mind and you you probably feel the the same way here uh ryan is you got to stay true to those values of professional wrestling. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't. I mean, I don't want to go full on Martin fucking Scorsese with this stuff, where the whole three hours of Raw is, you know, like some kind of Oscar award winning film. I definitely don't want that. But I also think that we're pretty getting murdered. To fill those three, <laughs> to, to fill those three hours, <laughs> you you might need this type of thing. I mean, they've backed themselves into a corner where they have to produce an awful lot of content on a weekly basis. And this might be a shortcut for them to not only tell some stories, develop some stars, but also to kind of dabble in that that little lake that they've been wanting to swim in for a while now, which is basically being in the in the Hollywood motion picture business. And 
we've seen it from WWE films to, you know, the fact that Kevin Dunn's always leaned more towards that entertainment side of things. You know, maybe this, this is that one broad stroke that they make over the business that, that is, you know, we talk about this being the movie era where we talk about the attitude era and the ruthless aggression era. Maybe we go into the quote unquote Hollywood era of WWE right now. That might be an after effect of the coronavirus. You know, with being traditionalists like we are, though, and talking about walking that fine line, you know, one of the things like when you structure a card, you, you don't give away, you know, one of those the main event moveset in the opening spot or in the mid card. You build to those big moments. You know, you're protecting the business without exposing the rest of the business. Could this be a case where, I mean, once once you go down that hole, you get into that that cinematic style what does that do to the traditional style? I mean, obviously, I mean, there was a bit of a letdown night two at WrestleMania. You go to everything and how different and dynamic the Funhouse segment was. And it was hard to make that transition back to the in-ring style of a Drew McIntyre and a Brock Lesnar, even for something as important as the WWE Championship. Yeah, and I would say, and, and I'll throw this over to Joe, because he's, he's definitely a traditionalist like like we are, you know, I definitely would rather see them build up these compelling storylines and these long-term feuds and build all this heat. But unfortunately, it just seems like the audience that they're shooting for now just doesn't go for that. And their attention span is more suited to stuff like the Firefly Funhouse. And I, I mean, I don't know what you think, Joe, but it just seems like that the audience that they're seeking is more suited to the cartoonish movie style stuff. No, I would definitely agree, and, and uh, you had mentioned Rick uh, of Vince not being involved with a lot of the stuff, and, and frankly, that that's one thing that I'm kind of all for, uh, keeping Vince away from these storylines and segments kind of going as much as possible, given just how out of touch he is. And you had mentioned the, the attention span of people, Ryan. I mean, this is just something that's a uh, product, especially just in social media and these viral videos of really nothing being longer than typically, you know, 30 seconds to a minute, is that it, it's just, it's... It, it's resulted in just people just that's how they're, they're, they're processing how they're taking their entertainment, their media and anything longer than a minute. Now they, they lose interest. Um, and that's definitely been a side effect of this. And, uh, will these, um, kind of pre-produced segments help those people very much. So I probably could, because I mean, for somebody like that to sit through an eight hour wrestling show, uh, that's tough. Well, I think, you know, one of the, uh, it's, WWE, especially here, they're, they're extremely guilty of this. And so many people talk about the attention span of, you know, this, this, the key demographic, this millennial audience. Yep. When you take that step back and really look at how they're processing information and how you market towards them, it's not that you lose them after that 30 seconds. That's, or, you know, ideally you want to keep things, especially in your advertising within like that three minute and under range. It's not that you you lose them after that. You've got them intrigued. You've got them hooked. But we're we are in a, a generation, a society of multitaskers. So they're ready to they're ready to consume more information instead of just focusing on that one. So if you can do those transitions, where now after you know four segments, I've really got those four things on my mind. Then you could start recycling back through. Problem is with like in WWE programming, they'll give you an extended segment. And then forget about it. Mm -hmm. People now, they like to juggle that information. So, And then you keep them on their toes. They're, they're looking forward to when you revisit that, what's the next step. And they can, and 
they can multitask, as I said. You, you lay these layers on top of things. That's what you really, that's how they need to be presenting this thing. Now, you are right. When we look at, we're comparing this to the movie genre. What sells now? It is the CGI. It is the over-the-top. It's the fight scenes, the explosions. Yeah, how, how incredible can you blow this thing off of the screen as opposed to someone like, like my old ass who sits around watching reruns of Gunsmoke for hours because <laughs> I love the storytelling. Good stuff, yeah. I, I, can, I can watch the Turner Classic movies because I get involved into the storytelling. This is going to be a huge connect. We're already seeing this across the internet where people are they're clamoring for more of this. One, where do you draw that line to where it hurts the rest of the product? And Ryan, you're talking about these companies, you know, like we've seen with Impact. Uh, AEW is going to do some of this stuff. Now WWE is involved with this. The reason we're talking about from the bottom of the mountain to the top, because this involves everybody. How's this going to translate and how's this going to affect, you know, those others, those other mids and the mom pop promotions, Ryan? I mean, they're not going to be able to compete with this. They don't have that budget. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of one of the strange things is then does it become, you know, um, where let's go back to the 80s when the WWF at that time had all steroid guys, all big body guys. So if you went to an indie show and everybody didn't look like Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff or the Ultimate Warrior, you thought, well, these guys aren't real wrestlers. You know, so it, it kind of will have the same trickle-down effect on the indies. Is You know, if you go to the indies and they don't have a big light show and a video board telling you the story in between matches, well, then this isn't real. You know, you don't want to blur that line to that point. Um, but at the same time, I think, and, and you kind of talked about it, <clears throat> you know, I hate to sound like an old fogey myself, you know, but I... I I can sit down and watch with my kid, you know, this, Hey, let's sit down and watch a classic movie like citizen Kane. And she's on her phone halfway through it. I'm like, how, how can you watch this movie and be on your phone at the same time? And I think that's kind of, I think that's a young person's thing. I don't think that's so much that it's this new generation. Cause when I was in my twenties, I watched a movie called natural born killers. Hmm. And it was just an assault on the senses that made, that made no sense in terms of being a movie, but because it was so different and it was so dark and it was so fresh that I just thought it was the hippest and coolest thing. You show that to a kid now, and they would they would think it was re, it was it was just stupid, you know. And I and I think that's the difference in in the generations is when you're young, there are certain things that you perceive as oh this is hip, this is cool, this is what I like. And then you know each generation is different. So um, yeah, I think that's where I, why I think that the WWE audience the disconnect starts is that guys in their 40s and 50s we grew up in an era where you hung in there. And you waited till the end and you waited till, you know, from tip to tail till the end of the storyline. And, you know, nowadays it's it's just a different world. It's different levels of mediums. It's, you know, the kids just have different things to do now. And they're not as locked in and engaged. So I think the, yeah, the quick hits, the motion picture, the, the science fiction, whatever. If that's what's going to get this next generation back involved and engaged in pro wrestling again, then you have to go for it. I hate to say that, but... You know, one of these days I'm going to be dead and gone and they're not going to need my dollars anymore. So you have to evolve and you have to move to the next generation. And I think that's kind of um, I think that's where we're headed. Unfortunately, I say (laughs) you already see it. You look at the crop of today's stars and the influence you see from the comic industry, from how they write their promos to the ring gear. 
you know, everything regularly, uh, top to bottom, you, Dragon Ball Z, you know, inspired ring gear, or they're quoting things from the DC universe, you know, inside of their promos. They certainly are making making that transition. So what you do for that product, rightfully so, you're going to mirror what Hollywood is doing inside of those movies. Mm-hmm. That's going to be that's what's going to grab the attention there, you know, of this that key demographic, that millennial millennial audience. Going back there real quick as we're talking about when WWE presents this, how it affects everybody else, I think it's even very clear. You go look at the production value that we saw at WrestleMania, especially in that Boneyard match. I mean, that thing could stack up you know, against uh, one of today's blockbuster movies, mainly because you've got true stuntmen in there that do that live. They do it on first take. That's a credit to AJ Styles and The Undertaker. You know, and, and that's just what pro wrestling brings to that aspect for that genre. But you look at that production. That was 100 times better than what we saw from Impact Wrestling and the Broken Universe. So you've got that big of a gap between WWE and that second, third tier. What's that going to do? And there's no way in hell, you know, right down the street from here, a battle on the border can compete with that. Could this eventually be another way, right? You're making that link going back to killing the territories. Could WWE essentially use this to kill out all the uh, the rest of the indie system here? Joe, what do you think? Something that I think that uh, we need to look at here too, and I know I've been saying this for a little while, and I know uh, Jericho was saying this for a while too, is that uh, we've already started seeing this where we have this I, my opinion, at least, this clear distinction. You know, we have WWE with sports entertainment, and then we have professional wrestling happening over here, and and, and that's just going to become even more more pronounced. And I think these other companies don't really need to, to to change. I mean, you still need to you know do your social media and all that kind of stuff. But I don't think that they need to change as much as maybe what we're thinking. They just keep being professional wrestling. WWE's over here doing their thing, and everybody else can continue to do their own thing and, and not lose you know guys like me and ryan in that in that same vein and i actually sort of pitched this to melkor the other day when we were talking about all this theatric stuff that's going on theatrical stuff that's going on Mm. what about you know you have three hours of raw what if the first hour of raw was more like a television show slash sitcom slash drama that leads into the two hours of wrestling that follows it something where you would have a little bit for one audience that bleeds over into another. And maybe you married the two between the mainstream crowd and the pro wrestling crowd, which is something they were able to do in the late nineties, but in a really different way. I, that's my thoughts. I mean, maybe you sprinkle vignettes throughout the show. Maybe you do one full solid hour as a lead in to your wrestling program. I, I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. Cause at this point I still believe all bets are off. Yeah, like Jerry Bruckheimer to like, produce the first hour of WWE television <laughs> explosions. I mean, Rick had mentioned explosions. Just have like shit blowing up all over the place. That could, that could be something. It'd be entertaining at least. It might not be professional wrestling, but it'll be entertaining. I think what you what you could eventually see here is we're talking about these hybrids. I don't think there is a great market for them both to coexist. And inside of that realm, as Ryan just talked to, individuals that are true to that traditional style they're going to fade they're, those dollars are going away they're going to they're going to they're moving on to other genres or they're just flat out passing away you have to captivate and create a culture for this next group coming in 
but inside of that, you just don't abandon. So you have to adapt. You, you have to morph these two styles together. I honestly think who's going to dominate this is the sports entertainment aspect. And so what they need to figure out now, truly figure out now, is there, is there enough of a market? Will it be accepted? Mm. Can it make that crossover to really adapt the style that we saw familiar that had a cult following in Lucha Underground? Well, you know, I think if this whole thing finally goes through and the, and the whole Hollywood science fiction rom-com thing all comes together for pro wrestling, the number one booker in the business will be Disco Inferno because wow. he saw this coming 20 years ago. Wow. Now, you know, in all seriousness, I no, I, I think you're right. I think if the way that I see this happening is a slow progression where it's just sort of being injected, a, you know, a few CCs at a time. And as the crowd starts to accept it more and more and more, WWE also sees the benefits. The wrestlers see the benefits, you know, stop and start takes are really nice. They make you look really good because there's no bad, you know, there's no bad bumps. There's no um, errors. There's no mistakes. Um, and being able to craft a storyline in that way where you can, you can literally hit the cut button and you're done. You know, um, I, I think that there's a lot of it. Hey, less chances for injuries when you're on a closed set and you've got stunt people involved. So, yeah, I mean, in some ways, I think that, yeah, uh, you use the term hybrid, Rick. I think that's where we might be headed in terms of WWE. I don't know about everybody else, but I think WWE got a taste of it with this WrestleMania. And I think we're going to see a lot more of it going forward. Especially well, if you start they're... bringing in a lot of, uh, if you want to start getting some actors and stuff like that in there, you know, being able to do multiple takes, you know, it could definitely benefit you. And then if you have some wrestlers, like, I don't know, let's throw Lacey Evans out there, for example, you know, she needs some multiple takes to get the stuff right. That's something that really benefits her because doing stuff live, not so much. No, no, no. See, you're of that mindset. You guys won't evolve with this thing. You've been listening too much to Jargo. Lacey <laughs> Evans is perfectly fine. Yeah, sure she is. Uh, yeah. It's perfectly fine. That's another yeah. conversation. She just doesn't need to be doing moonsaults. <laughs> so the reason you didn't see Hulk Hogan climbing to the top rope, you sell her through her marketability, which they're that. completely missing on right now. But that's a different conversation, completely different conversation. <laughs> but we're talking about it. it's going to be ultimately it's going to be so interesting in the short term, these next couple months as we approach 2021, to to see how professional wrestling, top to bottom, how this thing evolves. What risk are they willing to take? What, you know, of those, those spaghetti noodles that they throw against the wall, what's going to stick? How is this going to work? I, I firmly believe, you know, it, WWE, they, they set the bar. They are the standard in professional wrestling. It's been that way for decades. It's going to continue to be that way for the foreseeable future. So what they do, when they see success, it trickles out for everybody. It, it causes people to begin clamoring and wanting more wrestling and seeking out what alternatives, what other styles there are. When WWF is down, you kind of tune out professional wrestling. So they are going to dictate this, this direction. And I know that's a harsh pill to swallow at times, but they are the leader of the pack. So this certainly is going to be an interesting time, and they're certainly led by WWE. Ryan Bowman, thanks for sitting in with us. Can you let the, uh, the Hameen Army know where they can keep up with you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ryan K. Bowman. That's B-O-M-A-N. Same thing on Facebook, Ryan K. Bowman. And, uh, of course, follow us on Facebook at The Gorilla Position. Um, and, I, you know, this this has inspired me, this conversation. Actually, I was already thinking about doing it, but I, I, I'm going to roll out a column this week discussing this very topic because 
I think it's uh, it's a pretty good one. And I'm kind of glad you invited me on here to talk about it today, Rick. It's always good to talk to you anyway. But uh, I think there's a I think there's a lot more meat to this subject, and I think it's something we'll be talking about in the weeks going forward. Yeah, you know, this is just kind of get get the ball rolling here. It certainly is an interesting, very interesting topic that everyone should be keeping their eye on right now. Uh, but right now, we're going to kick it over a break in a word from the war on morons. You want to check out what these guys got to say. But on the other side, I'm going to sit down with the trainer, the coach, the indie sensation, Chris Silvio. And this is a can't miss interview. Hear my words, infidels. I've greenlit my latest cell, and it's the War on Morons podcast. That's right, the world's full of morons, but I've sent Jay and Anissa to declare war on them. From the stupid criminals to those Florida man stories you love, and the other idiots of Hollywood and D.C., these new Hamid soldiers speak the truth, the stupidity in a fun and comical manner. Each week, these two will be bringing on friends and all these crazy characters to give you the punk rock comedy news show you didn't even know that you needed. But you have it now that you're under quarantine. You will listen, infidels. And that's right, there's a bit of uncertainty every week from the live hotline so you never know who's going to call into the show. <laughs> so plant your flag in the sand. Grab your friends and suit up, because the War on Morons has commenced, infidels. Visit them now and subscribe at thewaronmorons.podbean.com. YOLO! <laughs> I've been in the podcast game for nearly three years. That's three years of constantly developing new segments, attractions, gimmicks. You know, one of those one of those big concepts that, I, that I've had on my mind for a very long time. It's it's not just to involve the pros inside of the business, but to bring in the elite of the elite, the absolute brightest minds talking about all aspects of what makes professional wrestling so great. So so now with Hot Tag WrestleCast, I get to do exactly that. And the best part about this, the cherry on top of this magnificent ice cream sundae that I have here on our debut episode, I have is our first marquee guest. He is he's the name at the very top of my wish list when I started putting this thing together. Ladies and gentlemen, pro wrestling fanatics, you're going to recognize him from NXT, Ring of Honor, Impact Wrestling, and one of the most decorated stars in the history of Ohio Valley Wrestling. He's just shy of two incredible decades inside of the business from the parking lot to the office, to the gym, to the locker room, to the ring. He's done it all inside of the business. He is the psychedelic superstar, Chris Silvio. Sir, welcome to the Hot Tag WrestleCast. Oh, I got that hot tag. I'm coming in to blow the big comeback. Here comes the punch. Here comes the block punch. Another punch. Here comes a drop kick. Time for a little moonsault. I'm doing fantastic, man. I, that was a hell of an intro you gave me. You made me sound way more over than I actually am. Uh, but uh, no, man, I'm, I'm happy to be here. I love wrestling. I love talking wrestling. And uh, yeah, congrats on the launch of the new podcast, man. The, what you told me about it, it sounds like it's going to be a hell of a show. So I can't wait to see what you do with it. Well, Mr. Sylvia, I want to thank you. It's an honor to have you on with us. You know, as I mentioned, nearly two incredible decades in the business. 
Uh, you broke in arguably during the greatest boom period that that we've ever witnessed. Of course, I'm talking about the Attitude Era. You were able to you continue to grow as wrestling enters the ruthless aggression era. You know, coming out of the gate here, can you talk about those those early inspirations that you had and that drive? You know, what pushed you towards you know chasing this dream inside of professional wrestling? Yeah, dude, it's really funny you asked that. I was just talking to our colleague MSG uh, Matt Schaffer earlier. And he asked about something similar. Um, yeah, you said I, I came along during the boom period. I also happened to come along during the most violent period in American wrestling history. Um, so that was like a lot of my early career. And, uh, you know, that's probably a good reason as to why, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not wrestling indefinitely now as of uh, as of 2019. But, uh, man, it's a crazy story. And, and I never really get to give him much credit. Uh, there's this guy named Warren Belfield. He's, uh, he was good friends with my older brother. My older brother has nothing to do with wrestling and they were friends. I don't know, since like uh, middle school, probably I had wrestling mats in my garage because I was a high school wrestler and I would practice in the afternoons. I had, you know, like at the, like the school wrestling mats. And, uh, he came over one day, this guy Warren, and he's like, Hey, can I borrow your wrestling mat? Like, can I swear on this? Or is this PG? Go ahead, man. We are, we're no holds barred okay, here. Like, who the fuck shows up to your house and asks to borrow a wrestling mat? Like that's, that's probably the first time that question's ever been asked. So I'm like, uh, what are you doing? Well, me and my friends are doing a backyard wrestling show. All I heard was wrestling. And these guys are way older than me. Uh, they were probably six, seven years old. I was six, seven years older than me. And I was probably 16 years old at the time. And I said, hell yeah, you can borrow my wrestling mats, but you got to put me on the show. So uh, I met up with these college-age dudes, a couple had already graduated, and they started as a joke. They would do this thing at parties where they would wear lucha masks and wrestle each other. That morphed into an actual backyard wrestling federation, um, and I got involved because I had the mats, so I got to be in it, and now they didn't have to bump on the ground. They were actually safe. And the dude Warren that got me in, um, allegedly his dad did jobs for like WCW or something. So he, he used to train us and it was really weird. We were trained at this Kung Fu dojo and there was like two big puffy mats where we would learn how to bump and I'd practice my moonsault. Cause of course I moonsaulted before I ever learned how to do a tie up or take a fucking headlock. Um, so yeah, that, that's how I ended up breaking in. Um, you know, then, uh, one of the guys I met through all that, I went over his house one day and I saw a business card on his refrigerator that said VCW Wrestling, which is uh, still in existence today, by the way. And it had the promoter's name. I asked him if I could keep the card. He said, no, it's his only copy. But I, uh, I wrote it down on a piece of paper, called the promoter the next day, and uh, he invited me out to a show. I set up rings at his shows for several months. I'd go with my buddies. They'd throw me some bones and a couple of the guys would step in the ring and train with me. Um, so I kind of like weaseled my way into wrestling and then ended up actually going to a wrestling school and uh, getting on the scene and then getting fine-tuned by Rip Rogers and Marty Jones. So yeah, technically that guy Warren, my brother's friend from middle school, is the one that got me into the business almost. Um, but uh, I would have found my way in one way or another. But yeah, that, that was the origins, man. That's how it all began. Very humble beginnings. Well, I, I think we got to know now, you know, going back to, you know, if it's the backyard or what it sounds like, it was like the originators of the the bar wrestling that we see today. What was the gimmick? What was the persona that you had going on? 
El Sucio. So <laughs> um, it, it was like a, you know, it was like a joke lucha thing. We actually turned into a legitimate promotion. Everyone got trained and we would use good indie talents. And man, we were like, if, if this was out today, it would be one of the most over brands in wrestling. Um, get on YouTube sometime, Rick. I know you'll dig it, man. Just look up Richmond Lucha Libre. Once we started knowing what we were doing, uh, we were having turn away shows, man. Like we just had like this edgy, adult oriented, uh, witty kind of reverent show um, with, with a lot of good high spots, some good wrestlers. And it was like the cool thing to do in town. And all of that started as a joke in an apartment. Then when I became part of it, came the wrestling mats. When I met this guy that let me come to set up his rings, I decided for our first show, I was like, hey, I'm going to rent this guy's ring. So I rented a ring. We had our first show. Then we got organized. Everyone got trained. And and then we started running. But yeah, man, we used to outdraw the uh, the minor league baseball team, the Richmond baseball team. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's a hell of a pool then. Uh, especially as popular as you've got minor league baseball down through that area there, but perfect transition here. You're talking about, you know, yourself making that move to OVW at back of the day as we're talking about, you know, that transition between attitude to ruthless aggression. It was a period where I actually, I was turned off to WWE, but I still needed that pro wrestling fix. So I turned to the Indies and living, growing up here in Southern Ohio around the Cincinnati area. We were blessed. Uh, we had weekend television that included OVW, Heartland Wrestling Association, and even the Northern Wrestling Federation. So I had three a three-hour block that I could just, you know, I could sink my teeth into that indie scene. And I'm doing research. I was, you know, when you joined us on the Hameen Media Group platform, I'm thinking back to OVW. And I'm like, why the hell? I'm like, why can't I place Chris Silvio? And then it occurred to me that you were that that no good bastard, uh, Susio. <laughs> I, I, I had yeah. to I had to make that connect that you were working under a different uh, different persona now. Uh, but speaking of OVW, it's early on in your career. I mean, you take that cannonball, you dive right into the deep end, start swimming with the big guns there at Ohio Valley Wrestling. Uh, I know you know we could start talking about a talent wise a who's who uh, in professional wrestling, but I really want to focus on your the training while you were there and the philosophies, the fundamentals you know, that really were instilled in you that we're seeing that you're now sharing today. Yeah, man, when you said like walking in with the big guns, I will remember till the day I die the first time I walked into an OVW training session. <clears throat> Keep in mind at this point in my life, I'm 36. I've been training and weight training, um, you know, for 15 years or something like that. Uh, but when I first got to OVW, I had just started lifting weights. I wasn't very big. And on the indie scene where I came from, you didn't have monsters walking around. I remember just bro just walking into that first training session and these guys just seemed like dinosaurs to me. They were just so damn big. I was like one of the three smallest guys there. <clears throat> so it was really hard. You know, talk about having your back against the wall, man. Um, that's one of the things I always share with people is like, I wasn't supposed to get anywhere in this industry. Like, it shouldn't have happened, but I was too damn stubborn to go away and too damn smart to not figure out how to do this shit. And thankfully, I had a knack for pro wrestling, so I figured it out. But it was hard, man. My first few years at OVW, I had to prove myself. Um, I was a good wrestler as far as the moves go, like I could do any move, but I didn't know how to work. I didn't know where to put the moves and why you do them. And that taught uh, that was taught to me from Rip Rogers. And you can explain something to somebody, 
but pro wrestling is so fucking advanced at a high level that you don't, you cannot grasp it in a month. You cannot grasp it in a year. So Rip's telling me all this stuff about psychology and why this was wrong and why that was wrong, but you just can't understand it no matter how hard you try until you've had enough match experience and then a light bulb will click and you're like, oh, I get it. Then that light bulb will click even bigger three years down the line and you're like, fuck, I didn't get it even then, but now I get it. And the process pretty much continues to the day you die. Um, so it was a lot of learning how to work. And it was, it was uh, you know, very intimidating too because not only was I one of the smaller competitors there, um, but there were a lot of WWE guys. I'd never met, you know, contracted talent before. Like every once in a while you'd have like, Kamala on a show. Barbarian was on a lot of shows where I came from. Beautiful Bobby Eaton. Um, you know, and they were cool, like just relaxed older guys, but you weren't ever around like a bunch of top stars. So, you know, it, it's a weird environment when you're young. I was 23 and I'm around WWE guys. No one's ever told me how to act, you know, so I had to figure out all this shit on my own. Uh, but I got serious about training and I didn't miss a class. I learned from Rip. I did so many fucking jobs before I ever got an opportunity. Um, and I just started training my body. Once I got in the physical shape, um, you know, that kind of made up for what I didn't have in height. And I, I got a lot more opportunities and got a lot better at wrestling too. Yeah. So many that go through OVW, they, they sing the high praises and rightfully so one of the greatest, you know, trainers to ever, you know, to give back to the business of professional wrestling in the hustler, Rip Rogers. You also there, you have the founder, the owner, then the nightmare, Danny Davis. I know you were there. You had some interaction with Jim Cornette. Uh, I'm assuming you had a little, at least a little bit there with the runs with a, a Tommy dreamer and Al Snow, possibly a Paul Heyman. I, I worked, I worked with Al extensively. Um, I did not get to work with Tommy. He was in talent relations when I got there. But I was in no position to be talking to talent relations yeah. then. Susio didn't make much money. So uh, Sylvia's the one that made money. Very, very nice. But you know, all of those, all of those very just bold, strong personalities, rich in tradition, you know, that old school mentality. But here they are in OVW, and you think about that, you know, it represents that southern wrestling, all of those, the pride, the tradition that goes along with that. And you guys, now you have these ties with sports entertainment, the WWE. You know, the over-the-top circus that is that we are getting from New York. Inside of your training, you know, somebody like like Mr. Rogers there, like Rip, how did he, you know, emphasize, okay, this is how I this is how you do it. This is how they want you to do it under the sports entertainment umbrella. How did that mesh together? That's a good question. Uh, at OVW, you learn two styles. You learn the traditional southern style of wrestling, as in he pulled my hair. And the Tennessee tiptoe spot where the tag team is both in the ring, they're running, baby faces drop down, the heels collide together, you know, pulling a weapon out of your tights, teasing it, putting it back in your tights. Then 10 minutes later, you finally knock the guy out with it. Uh, wrestling, man. <clears throat> you learn Southern style wrestling, but you also learn the WWE style of the day, um, kind of how they would build their matches like because it was a developmental right for WWE. So we use the same formula for our matches um, on the TV shows that they used on Raw, SmackDown or whatever. And that helped me a lot because even to this day, like when I go anywhere, my work stands out and is different, especially on an indie level, because I learned really early in my career how to work like the stars on TV work, right or wrong, you know, how good these people are, you know, that, that varies. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm able to 
put together a really captivating match because I learned this so early on. Um, Rip was bigger on the Southern style and holds and traditional wrestling. You got to remember, man, Rip Rogers traveled the world. He wasn't just a Southern wrestler. Like he taught us that stuff, but he respected everything. And he really expected, uh, respected shoot wrestling. And that was my background. I was, uh, I started amateur wrestling at 11 and wrestled until I was, I think 20 or 21. Um, you know, so he would let me incorporate that in. Uh, he would just bust your ass, man. Like we trained ridiculously hard. There were puke buckets outside of the ring that our boy Hameen used every other class. Um, you know, there would just be pools of sweat in and around the ring. He believed more in reps and long training sessions where you're sweating. And he was right because the more reps you do with something, just like podcasting, the better you get. So by the time we'd done 50,000 arm drags, our arm drag was pretty fucking good, you know? Speaking of the puke bucket, I, I regularly heard the story about how they had like a, a supersized puke bucket out there with, with the name Big Show across it when they had to send him back down there to drop I some LBs to get back in shape. And that's how intense that the training was. And Rip Rogers, anybody out there listening, do yourself a favor. Go look up some of his work over in Japan. I mean, he was an absolute spectacle there. Those audiences loved him. They were in awe of him. And you want to talk about somebody with just that that superstar presence about him, especially in Japan. That, that was Rip Rogers. Yourself, you, you, you're talking about working against the, those larger-than-life stars. You weren't used to them when before you get to OVW. How is it for you know someone like yourself to make that adjustment? You, you don't really have that size, and you're, you're talking about you have to work extra hard inside the ring. But I don't, you know... To give you all the credit in the world here, you didn't bring it up. You are a tremendous when it comes to working your persona, you know, the body language, getting the, your gimmick across, getting that crowd to, to get excited, to move them. You have, I mean, that's got to be something that's instilled in, instilled in you in OVW. And it's something you don't necessarily see today on the indie scene where, you know, they're more, you know, it seems they're more worried about that, that floor routine, that dot, dot, dive, getting those spots in instead of really playing to the persona and working that audience. Now, how do you, how much did that mean to you? And then how do you pass that on in your teaching? Um, I, I agree with you, man. Uh, a lot of people on the independent level and sometimes even on the pros, their matches lack emotional, um, emotional investment and emotional connection with the audience. I literally just did a coaching session before I got on the phone with you and we watched the match myself and this kid. And that was exactly what I told him. Uh, you guys, the, the match was fine. The moves looked great, but neither of you connected with the audience. Um, I'm a lifelong wrestling fan. And when I say lifelong, it's not like something cute. I started watching in first grade. I have watched wrestling as long as I could remember. I had baby pictures of me as an infant or toddler with LJN wrestling figures. That was all I played with as a kid. I didn't like GI Joes or anything like that. I've always just liked wrestling. So I didn't realize it, but by watching so much, it had to sink in, right? I was studying it my entire life until I got into it, and then I studied it even harder. So I, I, I idolize guys like Bret Hart, who worked those dramatic-style matches. I idolize Randy Savage, who had so much personality. So when And uh, Rob Van Dam, I, I idolize his moves. Like, those are my dudes getting in. So I tried to kind of be a combination of all that, like RVD's athleticism, Bret Hart's technical ability, Savage's personality, and try to put all that together. Um, but uh, but yeah, man, it, it wasn't easy. And I got to give credit where it's due. Um, most of this comes from Al Snow. I had to put a lot of the pieces together. 
but when I started doing Psychedelic Superstar, Chris Silvio, Al Snow really helped me to create that. Uh, Cornette was the catalyst. He didn't like, we had a lot of guys with one word names. He was like, you can't be Susio. You need to have a first name and a last name. So I was like, uh, all right. I went back in the lab. I came up with Silvio, similar enough, Chris Silvio. But when Al took over the show, I needed a new presentation because I wasn't, wasn't getting used. I went away for a while and came up with this gimmick, the psychedelic superstar. I came up with the look, the walk. I walked around my apartment for a month straight to the music, figuring out how this dude walks, figuring out his rap, figuring out his swag. Then I thought of what moves I was going to do and where I was going to put them and got it ready. And when I got to the show, I was like, dude, I love it. It's good. But when you get in the ring and the bell rings, you're just a wrestler. And I was gobsmacked. I was like, well, what do you mean? Look at look at how I look. I was in great shape. My gear was sweet. You know, I, um, but he pointed out to me that bell to bell, you don't do anything that fits your character. So every week for a year after I did any, it got to the point where it was ridiculous. Let's say I gave somebody a simple snap mare. I would do some kind of pose where I flexed up my bicep or do some kind of silly mannerism and then went to something else literally after everything. But that taught me how to stop just the physical stuff and connect with people then once I got good at that shit, I learned how to make it dramatic and I learned when to do it and not to do it every time, not to do it too big. But um, Al never told me what to do. He never gave me a single idea for my character. He just told me what I needed to do with who I saw was inside of myself. So I got to I got to credit Al for that. And it seems like it's something that you hear so regularly that's missing, especially, you know, on a level of WWE in today's scene is instead of inspiring and leading it's more of the dictatorship and, you know, really putting their thumb on you to say, no, this has to be this way, but they give you the freedom. And that's when you're going to create and truly bring, be a part of that persona, bring that to life. But let's switch gears here a little bit. You know, in the open, I, I mentioned this deep resume that you have and all the roles that, you, that you've been able to, to have your hand inside the business. Now, when it comes to pro wrestling, obviously the stars shine the brightest in the ring, but there's so many unseen heroes behind the scenes uh, individuals that are equally, or maybe in some cases more so, you know, they're responsible for the success of a promotion. You, know, you talk about if it's camera work or if it's the live event experience, the concessions, merchandise, whatever that might be, something in the office. Can you talk a little bit about why it's important for somebody you know so young in the business, especially to kind of learn or at least understand those different roles? Yeah, man. A perfect example. My tag team partner who broke in the business with me, uh, Jimmy Long, James Long, he debuted as the Kamikaze Kid. He performed in OVW as Paradise. Um, he now is uh, he's got an office job. He now is a producer at NXT. He was one of the people behind that great team that made the spectacle that was the Boneyard match. I thought they knocked it out of the park. They did so great. Um, and he started as a wrestler just like me, same place, but he had a talent for art and harnessed that through his career. He'd make flyers for people. Then he started doing the videos at OVW. Lo and behold, he's got a job. Um, it's important to learn every aspect because this shit doesn't last forever. And you never know when your body's going to go. Like I was happy that I got, you know, 18 years just about with my body and, and who knows, you know, maybe, maybe one day I, I'll be fit to go again. I don't know this. Uh, not for me to determine, but I do know that you can't do this forever. So if you want to stay involved and have longevity, you got to learn other aspects. Um, I've literally done every single job you can do in pro wrestling 
with the exception of refereeing. I don't know why it just never came up. I always had long hair. You don't see too many long hair referees. So that could have been it. Um, but uh, I've literally done every job. So that's why now I know how to do it all. I got a job as a producer a couple years ago for the SIW company in Italy that I'm helping to uh, build Italian wrestling. And I, I timed so many shows and produced and written shows at OVW that I knew exactly what needed to be done. I would write their whole TV. I'd book the angles. I'd time it. And it's flawless. And when I put on my indie shows here in Florida, the boys are always amazed because I have a run sheet. I have the exact times I want them to go. I have a producer there telling them minute by minute what they need to do. So all the boys are like, man, usually there's just like a fucking piece of paper on the wall and everybody goes 10 minutes over. But uh, I wanted to learn every job because I love wrestling and I want to be doing it always. Um, you know, so I got to keep myself relevant and uh, learn everything that I can. And to, to sum it all up, it's important for anybody that wants to get in this industry to learn as much as they can about everything. Um, you know, if you if you know how to cook in a restaurant, but you don't know how the management runs of a restaurant and you open your own you know, you're, you're going to be at a deficit. Uh, wrestling's the same way. Learn it all. Every part is valuable. That's why we shake each other's hands when we walk into a, a building and when we leave from the ticket taker to the main eventer. You show respect because every single person makes this thing come together. We can't do one without the other. You know, this show, we got a producer mixing it. I wouldn't be a guest talking about these cool things if it wasn't for the people producing it. Um, wrestling's the same way, man. The unsung heroes... Uh, you know, they get respect from the boys, but the audience a lot of times has no idea who they are. I guess a, a good a good plug here for OVW to to stay on that cutting edge, to keep, you know, evolving with the game and what Mr. Snow and, and Mr. Beckham have done down there to take it to that next level, that becoming accredited for a school. You know, that they're not just going to teach you the bumps now and the ins and outs of running the ropes. They've got a full-blown production down there. They're, they're teaching exactly what you talked about. So it has got to be a premier destination, you know, for anybody looking to break into professional wrestling. Exciting things going on down there. Continue to go on for OVW, but so you've got some exciting projects of your own going on right now. And I got to be one hundred percent honest here. Yeah, I think it's it's pure brilliance, and it's it's innovation at its finest. Uh, of course, I'm talking about the coaching collective that you've got going on with uh, Chris Silvio Superstar Seminars. I know you're still doing the traditional, we'll call it the brick and mortar on-site seminar styles, uh, but this newer concept you've got of of taking it directly to the people, going online, presenting these these different situations, these different style training seminars, absolutely brilliant, my friend. What was what was it that inspired you to move in this direction? Uh, thanks, man. Um, I've I've always enjoyed coaching, and uh, I found many years ago that. For whatever reason, I was blessed with the ability to motivate people and get people to follow. Um, and I had the ability to explain step by step how to do things. I coached amateur wrestling and I coached pro wrestling from a very young age. Um, so it was just always a, a skill that I found out I had. It's like a kid that never played baseball, but the first time he goes to practice, he hits a home run. Like I was just born with the ability to connect with people in that way. Now, if we're at a party, it's the complete opposite. Like I don't want to talk in a room full of 50 people, but if it's wrestling that I know better than anything, I could literally teach this to anybody. Um, so it's a skill that I have. And, uh, you know, seminars got pretty popular and I wanted to do more, you know, I, as an indie wrestler, man, 
you don't make that much money for your matches. You got to figure stuff out. You know, once I got more TV time and stuff, I could ask for more money. Uh, but I needed more streams of revenue. I needed merch revenue coming in. I needed, uh, you know, my seminars, my coaching revenue. So I just wanted to make mine different. Um, when I started doing seminars, I didn't call them seminars. I called them workshops. I would have people dress in business attire when they came to my workshop with a pen and paper or a computer to take notes. And I would have a lecture for 90 minutes. Then we'd get in the ring and we'd do physical shit. So my, my stuff was different right off the bat. And um, I worked in corporate America for quite a while. So I started thinking, like, I, I had to take a webinar, like, when they first came out for work. And it was in the back of my mind. But one day I was just thinking of something else I could do. And I'm like, man, every other industry utilizes this type of technology except for pro wrestling. And I thought I could really make it big. So I, I held the very first ever pro wrestling webinar uh, about a year ago. Um, since that time, I've done several. Um, now I'm doing weekly webinars with the group of coaches in a program called the Coaching Collective. Uh, basically, when all this COVID-19 shit hit, um, I wanted to figure out a means to get training to people that are going to be at home. Like I wanted them to keep having the ability to learn and talk to and learn from good people that know what they're doing. Um, so I, I cut the cost all the way down to 10 bucks um, from $30 just to make it affordable to people that you know are struggling right now. I get it. And I decided I was going to do them weekly with a different coach from around the world. Um, so, you know, this, this week we're doing a wrestling and a referee class. Uh, those, everybody listening to the show, um, that, that already passed. Um, but you can purchase a replay if you'd like to see that. Uh, but now, um, coming up on April 18th, I'm doing a commentary webinar that I know a lot of the brothers in podcasting are attending. And, uh, that's going to be hosted by myself and Brent Tearing, OVW commentator, commentated at all in, MCW and one of the most talented dudes in the world. Um, so I just decided to put together different things and be different than everybody and care. Um, I think that's the main thing that separates superstar seminars and me as a brand and human being is I care. I don't want to go out there and do something shitty and then have my reputation being, oh, well, Silvio is a shitty coach or he's just trying to get people's money because a lot of seminar uh, seminars get a bad rap. This dude that was, you know, that was on TV in the 90s charges 50 bucks for a seminar, shows you how to do a headlock and tells you rat stories and, and rib stories the rest of the time. Fuck that, man. Like it, it gets it gets me hot even thinking about it. Um, I work too damn hard on mine because I want those kids or men or women to leave being like, holy shit, I opened up a new door today. Like when I first grasped rip psychology or Al's character acting like, ah, oh, that epiphany. And I want that for other people. And I, I just have too strong of a work ethic. Like I couldn't phone it in if I wanted to. Um, I'm a different cat, man. What can I say? I do shit differently. Well, let's, let's look real quick at this this team, this coaching collective you put together. I mean, this rivals, this is like the 90s bulls right here, this team that you put together. That You got Rudy Gonzalez, who's the head trainer at the TWA. Oh, oh yeah, that, that little promotion in school that was uh, Shawn Michaels. You know, they, they co-started this thing together. HBK gets all the credit for the Daniel Bryans and all that, but it was uh, Mr. Gonzalez that, that really drove all the stars we've seen come out of there, uh, Daniel Bryan included. You, you got... Matt Seidel, WWE, Ring of Honor, Impact, New Japan, absolute global star, uh, household name in professional wrestling. Uh, you got Josh Jerry, uh, head trainer at AMLW out of North Carolina. 
Joseph Connors from NXT UK. Uh, Nick Beckham, as I mentioned before, he's down there with Gladiator Sports and OVW. You got Aaron Goose Mahoney, a tremendous referee. I think, you know, he just, as we're recording, that's coming up here in the past. You can go ahead and get that replay. And the one you had mentioned I'm looking forward to, you've got Timmy Baltimore. You guys are going to be helping us out, the commentators, the, the color guys, the play-by-play. I've had, you know, I've been fortunate enough the last two years, I've been working for a number of promotions here in Southern Ohio area, hell, throughout the Ohio area. Uh, and I've, I've modeled a lot of my work. I have studied so much of uh, Mr. Baltimore's work going forward. So it's something I'm absolutely looking forward to. And I think it, again, we're talking about that innovation in cutting edge, going outside the box. You don't see this elsewhere where you're focusing in on the referees and the commentators and, you know, bringing in those other aspects that help the show go on. One of the things that really jumped out is these these talking points, if you will, these these hot spots that you're hitting when you go through all these seminars, the the core fundamentals, the ring psychology, the business etiquette, the getting booked, staying booked, the training, exercise, uh, effective communication. And as you were talking about earlier, which really jumps out to me is the personalized persona workshop. I mean, this entire thing, I mean, this is like the Harvard of pro wrestling seminars. Yeah, I think OVW would claim uh, gimmick infringement. I know they used to call themselves the Harvard of pro wrestling. But no, man, I, I appreciate the kind words. Um, I just try to make it good and try to make it different. Uh, kind of diversifying the referees and stuff like that. I would hear referees, um, they've been reaching out to me for years for advice. And I know what referees should do, but I've never been one. So I always directed them to Chris Sharp, very talented re- uh, referee who's also a good worker a guy that I trained that's now at uh, WWE NXT UK, um, I would always direct people to him and just, I'd give them advice, advice about the business. And if they asked me technical ref questions, I'd say, well, you know, go, go talk to Sharp. He's the man. Um, but uh, refs would always ask me like, you know, are there going to be any ref training sessions? And I realized pretty much nobody has them. So I decided I was going to partner up with great refs that had been successful, not some dude, you know, just at the Charleston civic center once every and once every three months, um, I wanted pros that have been to the dance so they could teach these guys exactly what to do. And it's just another moving part. Um, I realized I was leaving out commentators and it was another hole in the market. You know, nobody in wrestling is taking the time to work with the announcers and the commentators. And I got news for you. The most important people in the match are the commentators calling the match and the referee keeping the match together. Um, if you don't have those two moving parts, if they're bad, no matter how good your match is, it's going to suck. Um, so I just wanted to fill that hole in the marketplace and put two of my friends on. I honestly, man, I'm not just saying it because he's my friend. Um, of everyone I know personally, Brent has the best mind for wrestling of, of every person I know in pro wrestling. I won't say in the world because there's people I haven't met, but uh, but I ask him about he's my consultant on anything. It could be like, should I use this guy on my show all the way up to a huge life changing career decision? First person I go to is Brett. He's he knows his shit. Man. Hey, you hear so many stories of, you know, the office would send certain individual scouts management style down to OVW. And when they would come back, they'd ask him, you know, what did you think of of the talent that you saw there? And they would put over Mr. Baltimore is one of the best you know, if it be in, in the color or the play-by-play position that they had ever heard. Uh, so, so much praise and respect towards him there. You know, beyond the seminars here, as, as if the virtual seminars weren't 
enough of an incredible learning experience. Uh, Mr. Silvio, you've also recently launched your own Patreon service, which can be found at patreon.com backslash superstar wrestling network to very affordable memberships uh, offering just some unmatched content. Why don't you go ahead and uh, put over this Patreon thing you got going on for the listeners? Yeah, man. Um, that's something I brainstormed talking to Nick Beckham one day, just like how we had the referees and the commentators in mind. Um, I realized I was doing all this cool shit for the people in wrestling and I was leaving the fans out. Um, so I'm like, man, I got to come up with something that I can give to the fans the same way I give my energy and my knowledge to the boys and girls in wrestling. Um, I, I was big into podcasting from uh, 2014 to about 2017. I had my own show, The Chris Silvio Show. I had a lot of really great guests like uh, Jim Cornette, Rip Rogers, um, you know, people from Impact, people from WWE, just a lot of people. Um, and I got busy going on the road and stopped podcasting and didn't get back into it until recently. Um, so I decided I was going to you know, start up my own podcasting network, produce multiple weekly shows, videos, funny clips, do interviews. Um, as you can tell, based on this interview, I'm a different cat and a pretty interesting person. So I don't want to let the cat out of the bag, but um, I come up with some really cool and funny different shows that you're literally not going to see anywhere else. Um, you know, and some cool watch alongs and guests and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I urge you guys to check it out. I guarantee you I'll bust my ass to give you a great product. I'll give you an assurance on that. And it's only four ninety nine a month. You know, that's like a Starbucks, Frappa, Latte, Mocha, bullshit, whatever. Uh, four ninety nine a month. I do have a top guys package if you want to be over. Um, $10 a month. And for that one, you get some merch and you get the option, the ability to guest co-host every month a podcast with me. And some other cool shit. Um, so, yeah, check it out, man. Patreon.com slash Superstar Wrestling Network, named after yours truly. Uh, it's going to be awesome. And thank you, really, to everyone that's already signed up. If you haven't, just sign up. You know you hey want guys, to. You say, you know, all the content there, very affordable, especially in these times. And, hell, even when, you know, when we get back to the familiarity in life when you're on the go, so much content to take with you. I've, it sure as hell sounds, and I'm sure it smells Way better than, you know, to say that shit that Tessa's been spewing out on her Patreon. So it, it, go check it out. <laughs> go check it out. It, it's Chris Silvio's Patreon. You make sure you hit that up. Uh, Mr. Silvio, I want to thank you for the time. Thank you for the incredible insight. You know, on top of the Patreon, can you please let everyone out there know where they can keep up with you across social media with all the, the awesome happenings you got going on? Any other pods, broadcasts? Where can they keep up with you? Yeah, man, I got too much shit for me to keep up with. But if you want to attempt, I'm on the social medias at the Chris Silvio. I'm on Facebook at Chris Silvio, and my business page is Chris Silvio's Superstar Seminars. So check that out for any upcoming webinars, training sessions, um, fan events, anything like that. Um, my new podcast network is pretty awesome, and it's going to get even better. Um, just go to the link we told you, patreon.com slash Superstar Wrestling Network. Um, I started a YouTube channel as well under the name Superstar Wrestling Network. We're showing some clips from some of the content uh, that you will see on Patreon. But you ain't getting the full thing, guys. So, yeah, it's only $4.99. So I'll help your brother out. Uh, but, yeah, that's where you can get a hold of me, man. And I will be trying to keep my sanity and hanging out with my beautiful girlfriend, Jenna Van Muscles, and creating awesome dope wrestling content. Uh, before you go, I need to point out one thing. You, you forgot to mention one very important social media outlet and they can keep up with everything you got going on. Uh, as I was preparing for this conversation, I stumbled upon this. It's still very active. 
It's myspace.com backslash totally awesome tag team. Oh shit. You guys are still active over there. And what really popped me, you go to you go to the MySpace page, and right there on your top friends list is a link to one Mr. Ben Hamid. Have you guys been holding out on us? You guys been kind of moonlighting over on uh, MySpace still? We have been, yeah. We're, we're we're actually very over on MySpace. More so, me more so than Hamid, but still. Very nice, very nice. Once again, thank you, Mr. Silvio. We'll let you get out of here. And for your listeners, we'll catch you back on the other side right here with the Hot Tag WrestleCast. RBV back in studio with Big Joe. Let me just say, wow, what a conversation with Mr. Silvio. It's such tremendous insight. Uh, but Big Joe wanted to close the debut episode mm. with a little segment, a little segment we call Hitting the Mark Tards. Uh, this week, out of the gate, I wanted to take the opportunity to educate the fools that have been misusing the term. This is this blowing me away here. I, I should know what it means. I'm the the, the creator, the innovator, mm-hmm. but to see it being just so greatly misused and misunderstood, it it sets me back a little bit here, Joe. What I love about this segment, Rick, is it, just the name of it. it. It's a bit of a hearkening back to, of course, your podcast with uh, Michael Jarrow, the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. One of my favorite podcasts of all time. Not just pro wrestling podcasts, but favorite podcasts of all time. I mean, I listen to this when I'm working my, my day slash night job. Um, and, of course, the term marked hard. So before we kind of get into it, what is the definition of the word marked hard? Let's start there. Well, I was going to say, and, and that was that was going to be my rant here, is to educate those on what this truly means. It, it seems that somebody they're just they're just throwing it out there is is a random insult. They're, yeah. they're using it as that they're going into that attack mode. That's not the case. No, <clears throat> you know, for for a mark chart, it's not somebody that just disagrees with you or maybe has that different point of view. This is somebody that that can't support their take. Mm-hmm. And basically, it's have a take, back it up. Yep. And by backing it up, it's just not, well, and this is one of the things that, that I, I absolutely hate. You and I have had this conversation because I've gotten on you about this. Well, I guess we all have different opinions. <laughs> or, <laughs> You're like, damn it, Joe. That's, that's my opinion. Well, no, that should not be your crutch. Yep. You need to come with your facts, come with your logic, with your support, with your backbone into the conversation, into the great debate. Mm-hmm. If you can't do that, then then you're treading into those Mark Tard waters. Oh, yeah. So even if even if we're out there, we're having that conversation, that great debate, and we don't see anything eye to eye. We're on completely different sides of the coin on something. Yep. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna disrespect you. I'm not gonna classify you as a Mark Tard. If, if you bring it, yep. if you can support your take, if you can factually back it up, if you have some sound logic. And again, it ties into that 360 conversation. It's been mm-hmm. one of the themes of the show. Early on here on the Hot Tag WrestleCast, we're going to have a, a few of these, these uh, RBV-isms, if you will. <laughs> that running theme, maybe throughout the first month, where we're going to hammer those home, get people educated. Now, Big Joe, what is one of uh, your biggest pet peeves when it comes to those that can't support their take. I mean, it's just that exactly. I mean, 
being somebody it's weird because on social media, uh, I'm not much of a of a Twitter user. I've never really, kind of really gotten into it, but I do a fair amount of Facebook. And, and not too long ago, I was actually distancing myself away from Facebook because it was just, it was just getting too much bullshit, too much drama to deal with. But you know, being somebody who puts a lot of content out onto the internet with my other show, Turnbuckle Talk, you know, you do have to try and, and, and engage with people, and I I still get sucked into these wrestling discussions with people and you know you had mentioned when it gets to the point of well they just say that something sucks or, or what have you and then you ask well, well well why is that the case you know and, and what's your solution to the issue or, or what could you do to improve it and i will say probably about 75 to 80 percent of the time that's where the conversation ends once you call them out on that typically they don't have anything uh, it's just an opinion well i think it sucks and that's all there is to it i'm like Okay, well, I mean, that's literally anybody can just kind of word it that way, but I mean, you need a reason to kind of back that up. I mean, otherwise, it just it's it's you don't have anything there. There's nothing there to, to there's there's nothing. Absolutely, and again, <laughs> like, you know, you, you take that step to say. back. You know, it, just because you don't like a match outcome, you don't think the right person went over. You got to take that step back. You, you yeah. look at it from a marketing standpoint. You look at it from what politically might be going on in backstage, <clears throat> what might be the direction going forward. You got to look at that grander scope, broaden your horizons here. But for this episode, it looks like they're throwing up the X. We got to get it out of here. Big Joe, what do you got to plug? So, yeah, we definitely want to thank our platform partners. First up, we have the gorillaposition.com. Of course, you heard him earlier, Ryan K. Bowman. I mean, Rick, you and I have uh, had very many wonderful dealings with Ryan, even in, in just me meeting Ryan completely at random on social media, and it just all kind of snowballed into kind of what we're doing now. So uh, make sure and check out um, everything that's going on over there. We have Last Run on Pro Wrestling. You know a lot more about uh, – tell us a bit more about Last Run on Pro Wrestling, uh, Rick. You know you guys – you know more about uh, this site than I do. Well, again, you know, they kind of followed the same suit of the com. They are those those traditionalists, those throwbacks to classic journalism. You're going to get the real hard-hitting stories, the true information, the inside scoops. Jamie Greer and his crew over there is so knowledgeable. Mr. Greer himself is a walking encyclopedia of professional <laughs> wrestling knowledge. Yeah. Make sure you're checking that out. The last word, or just absolutely, last word on wrestling.com. Yep, and of course, indiepw.com, where you can find... The show, you can find Turnbuckle Talk, and you can find just a plethora of other wrestling news there as well. And for where you can listen to us, we can be heard on anchor.fm forward slash hot tag wrestlecast. And outside of what we're doing right now, Rick, of course, I am one half of Turnbuckle Talk, which can be found on thegrillposition.com and of course on ndpw.com you can check out myself and my co-host Carl Carafel where we have again just for kind of like this show we have kind of a unique kind of perspective on the wrestling business here you know, we have you we have the marketing genius we have me who likes to who's a lifelong wrestling fan who kind of likes to break down the technical aspects who's been watching since 1986 going all the way back to Roddy Roddy Piper and Mr. Fuji which is my initial inspiration for getting involved into wrestling and i have my co-host who i have known for the better part of 30 plus years so you get a, a very unique very awesome take on professional wrestling there as well yeah i believe it's a turnbuckle talk with big joe and carl you guys drop new episodes every tuesday afternoon every tuesday uh, and 
all those all those platforms that you had mentioned there. You can also pick those up, mm-hmm. catch them wherever you're listening to your favorite podcast. Uh, but for us here at the Hot Tag WrestleCast, thanks again to our tremendous guest, Ryan K. Bowman of TheGorillaPosition.com, Chris Silvio, the, the coach, the trainer, the international superstar, sharing so much tremendous insight and knowledge with us. You want to make sure you're following up with him and getting a, partaking in. No matter what you're doing inside of professional wrestling, there's so much to learn from Chris Silvio's superstar seminars. Make sure you're following him across all social media. Thanks to HackerHameen.Podbean.com for giving us this platform, this opportunity. Be sure to keep up with the Hot Tag WrestleCast on Facebook and Twitter at Hot Tag WrestleCast. Keep up with me personally, the RBV, Richard Bronson Vickery, on all social media platforms at The Real RBV. Now, ladies and gentlemen, kick back and relax with... See clearly now by our boys, our friends, Juan Cosby and his crew of Grasshopper Juice Records. We'll see you next week. My pet elephant is more intelligent than your elegant rhetoric You sleepy-eyed, arrogant characters never forget or never remember Sunbathe inside the surrogate weather The fairest guarantee never compares to Pharisee letters I'll spare them the care package prepared Bare minimum, these beats were made in America I blow hot air into them Loose accused that you know move through fluid fuses No bruises, it's proven and tested by doctors Invested by the union so here's my offer. I see clearly now. This world is cloudy. I get rowdy like Roddy Piper and Captain Howdy. Read about me. I'm not like them other guys. Them cats are caterpillars. I'm butterfly. I see clearly now. This world is cloudy. I get rowdy like Roddy Piper and Captain Howdy. Read about me. I'm not like them other guys. Them cats are caterpillars. I'm butterfly. The kids no longer play with their speaking spells. The kids no longer need to know how to spell. The kids are snorting E and having orgies. I'm old and boring. Just found out that my true love abhors me. Say more stories than the Canadian army. More true stories than talking heads or tall buildings. Under a spell of modernity, burning us all with the feet of caviar. They live invisibly written on every billboard and wall, all in all. And my Homer Simpson sleeping at nuclear power plants while toxic sludge covers every inch of our devastated land. Not sure about that. Our species looked up to false prophets like mountains staring at the sky. But if we smash by inevitable avalanches, I'll stay fly. Unstickable planets watching the unforgivable antics of batches. Political savages strangling the masses to death. What the fuck you got left? Right and left, it's a reactionary mess. So I left, probably for the best. I see clearly now, this world is cloudy. I get rowdy, like Roddy Piper and Captain Howdy. 
read about me I'm not like them other guys Them cats are caterpillars I'm butterfly I see clearly now This world is cloudy I get rowdy Like Roddy Piper and Captain Howdy Read about me I'm not like them other guys Them cats are caterpillars I'm butterfly